This episode of No Quarter is sponsored by the Underground Retrocade. You love these games, and the way you want to play them is on the original cabinets. You want to see the side art, you want to feel the controls, and you want to hear madness on the stereo. So when you're in the Chicago area, head over to the Underground Retrocade for that authentic arcade experience. Because when you see row after row of all those classic games, you'll realize... It must be love. The Underground Retrocade, 121 West Main Street, West Dundee, Illinois. I'm Carrington Vanston. I'm Mike McGinnis. And this is No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast show. Thing with people's <laughs> games played. It is thing with, with people's game played. That's, I'm going to register that. Dot com. <laughs> <laughs> so how you doing, Mike? Well, I, I feel, I think, probably better than I sound. My voice is still kind of thrashed from that, that flu bug that just keeps hanging on. And uh, oh. we'll try not to cough in everyone's ear, but... Muffin. Uh, oh, poor me. How are things in Toronto? Fantastic. Because mm, you live <laughs> I there. I feel even better than I look, and I look awesome. No, I, <laughs> I do not have a cold, and you give me the perspective to appreciate it. Okay. So I, so I got that going for me. All right. <laughs> we played an odd game this week. Very strange. Um, yeah, yeah. Strange one. Strange one. I don't know how much I'm going to have to say about this game other than, well, this one's weird. Yeah, not in a bad way, though. I kind of actually enjoyed it. Well, you would. Actually, I liked it, too. <laughs> so clearly, I also would. <laughs> of, of of all the, the sort of weird games that we've played, we have played worse than this. So I think this would be, therefore, an example of like what we always hope will happen. We'll play something a little obscure. This is a game I had not heard of before. So we're we're diving into the the you know the weird ends of the catalog uh, in Mame, and we have now come up again with uh, an obscure, fun, strange, different sort of game that a lot of people might not have played before. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I just want to win. Yeah, yes. cool, nice. Um, let's dive into feedback. Let's do it. Uh, we got a bunch. I've got about half of it here, and. <laughs> um, that's what we'll read. We'll do the rest next week. <laughs> Just I don't know about you, watched. So, eh, I always move stuff into my notes. So let's go. We got um, got an email from Johnny. It says, hi, guys. First of all, thanks for doing this podcast, as it has been fun walking down memory lane these last few months, as I have finally finished your entire back catalog. Ooh, well done, Johnny. Wow. You masochist. You, I love the banter between the two of you and your emphasis on reviewing games that aren't the most popular in order to find those hidden gems. Oh, like this week. Like today. Um, so during your arcade draft, I was enjoying the episode until a certain guest, who shall remain nameless, mentioned something about ugly cabinets being made by Ikea. Well, sir, I beg to differ. You never know what you might find in an Ikea cabinet, especially in the one found at my house. And he gave us a link over to instructables.com where indeed... He's got what he calls the Ikea Cade, and he has built his home MAME arcade cabinet, which itself is fantastic, and sort of encased it inside an Ikea cabinet. So it's, it's, it's awesome. So, okay, you win this one, John. <laughs> You're right. It is pretty, pretty swell. So we'll have a link to that in the show notes as well, so everybody else can check out the Ikea Cade. And he says, um, again, fellas, thanks for the trip down Nostalgia Street every week. Peace, Johnny. Peace back to you, Johnny, and I like your arcade cabinet. Let's go visit Johnny and play his cab. Okay. Uh, 
project product wrote in and he decided this is on a, over on the Facebook page. He decided to uh, uh, go ahead and extend our pronunciation of Taito argument. That's just been going on and on and on. <laughs> and he says, uh, well, I'm sorry. I assume it's a he and I shouldn't have done that. But uh, project says, contrary to Taito themselves, I agree with you, Mike. It is pronounced Taito as in potato. That's just like how Americans say American Samoa and the people living there say Sao Paulo de Luanda. Uh, therefore, they say Tato and we say Tato or something. <laughs> no, they would say Taito and you say Tato. <laughs> oh, <Nido>. okay. <laughs> but I think that's a different case because it's, we're not talking about a, like a patois here we're not, or we're not talking about like an accent. Well, we are talking about an accent versus he saying American Samoa. Like if you translate it over right. to another language is this way. <laughs> so I think if we translate Taito, does Taito mean something? Oh, not that, I know. that unlocks a whole other Ooh. part of the argument. Maybe it does. It's probably a word. Mm-hmm. It's not like a, a name. Is it a name for a person or is it, is it a word? Oh, I, ah, now okay. Yes. Brain, brain bits are exploding. Maybe it's a thing. <laughs> maybe we should be translating it and maybe translate all the Japanese words and only ever just say the English version of them. I don't speak Japanese. So instead of Taito or Taito, um, I should be saying whatever the English word is for that. Maybe we're Probably putting... video game. <laughs> maybe we're putting too much effort into this. I don't think we're putting enough effort into it. Okay. Or maybe, or maybe you're right. I don't know. <laughs> so Tim wrote in to send us just a link, one of those emails I like that are just basically, here's an email and here's a link. And it's a mm. link to a website called letshackarcadegames.com. Now, that's a URL that uh, piques my interest. <laughs> so I went over yeah, there. I like that. And it is indeed a new site about doing specific, it, it does what it says on the tin. It's about hacking arcade games. And so at the moment, there is a couple of articles about Z80, or sorry, Z80 assembly, <laughs> Taito ZD. Um, uh, so it's about the, the Z80 and what you can do with it and sort of what the, the architecture is. And so they're sort of beginning with the assembly. But I guess the, the goal of this site that's been around just for a month now um, is to lead into the idea of hacking video games, hacking arcade games rather. So I think this holds a lot of promise. So I will link to it in the show notes and those of you of a hacking persuasion might want to keep an eye on it as well. Yeah, that's pretty cool. There's the, uh, the guy that and I don't have his webpage in front of me, obviously, because I didn't know we were going to talk about it, but there's that guy who's uh, has, I guess in his spare time gone in and just like he fixed the, he uh, fixed the, the the kill screen on Donkey Kong just because he wanted to play further and, and has gone in and fixed a bunch of different bugs in these old arcade games, the code of these old arcade games, and, and that's pretty cool to see. So that, that just it, reminded uh, me of uh, of that. Was it me? Uh, I'm sure it was, yeah. <laughs> yep. uh, Lim Tai Chin also posted to the Facebook page. He says, have you all seen this video? And it's a, uh, a link over to YouTube. We'll have that in the show notes to uh, a new... It's like a, it's a two minute short film by uh, Patrick John or Gene called Pixels. And basically it's it's New York City being invaded by a bunch of 8-bit, uh, 8-bit um, icons and creatures and things that I'm sure you'll recognize. And uh, it's actually really, really cool. Okay, hold on. Pixels. Mm-hmm. I've, got two, I've got two responses to this. My, my mind is ambivalent. I'm going two different ways. First is, didn't... I'm not looking at the video right now because I don't have the link in front of me, but didn't we link to this before where it's a bunch of arcade things attacking New York City? Yeah. Like, like there are arcade things. I think we might link to it. But separate from that, there's a movie coming soon called Pixels, which is kind of about that premise. So is this the trailer for the movie or is this the older video? 
Well, this one, because I don't pay attention to anything that we say and I forget <laughs> everything that we talk about as soon as we go off the air, uh, I had forgotten that we we had talked about this. Uh, I'm looking at this was actually uploaded back in 2010, and this is a two-minute. It, it looks like uh, probably um, like a, a trailer for something else, so it would make sense that, that if – because this got like more than a million views on YouTube um, – that it's possible that they decided, hey, let's make a real movie out of it. Yeah, because there's a, there's a movie coming soon, which I I think might be even an Adam Sandler film. Slander, Adam Slander film oh, no. <laughs> is when I talk about him. Um, I, I, but the premise is really cool, and I think the idea oh, we should dig. I'll dig up a link to that as well. So it's a movie coming out, I think, this year. And no, the no, premise, don't, don't link to anything, Adam no, Sandler. No, wait till you hear this premise. So the idea is. Aliens attack the Earth, but it turns out the aliens are actually pretty similar to the kind of aliens that that were in video games back in the classic arcade era. And the only people that can fight them off is they have to go and and find the people who are the top high scorers of classic 80s arcade games and have them lead the defense. Come on. That premise is awesome. (laughs) Okay. For me. Whatever. (laughs) So I think that that, I think that movie is going to be called Pixels and I think it's coming soon. And I think maybe I'm going to see it. Maybe that's based on Adam viewing this this short or something. Could I don't be, know. Could, yeah, it could be based on like who 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 knows. We we don't. That's for sure. <laughs> we, <laughs> we never know to, what we're, we're talking just about. Just link monkeys. Um, Dan wrote in uh, to say, "Hey guys, just discovered the show, loving it so far, and have been digging. I'm going to read only parts of this because it's a long one. Uh, digging my way through the back catalog at work. Here's a game recommendation that I doubt anyone else has mentioned. It's a hidden gem I discovered in Mame a few years ago. Now maybe out of your comfort zone, as it's from 1994, mm-hmm, and, uh. and it's got an odd melding of 2D action game with one-on-one fighting game elements. It's called The Outfoxies. Terrible name. Great game. (laughs) So he sent us a bunch of images and listen to this description. Okay, here's the bits that are important. Um, You play one of several super spies or assassins including a chimp in a top hat called Dweeb, a mad scientist in a wheelchair, evil twin children, a generic white dude, and a chick with an iguana, among others. It's um, a lot of fun with two players, but it's also fun solo. There's so much detail and interactivity packed into these stages that you could probably play for several hours and still see new details. Some stages literally crumble around you and break through to completely different play fields. The only gripe I have with the game is that the zooming and scaling of the stages can sometimes make it really difficult to tell where you are or what's going on, similar to some uh, Neo Geo games of the era. But the controls are extremely simple and easy to learn. There are no special moves, just an attack and a jump button. And every character has the same standard attacks, but each one moves and uses their weapons differently depending on the size and shape. Um, That's it. Just thought I'd share. Best regards, Dan. Okay, so it's 94, so it's probably beyond the period we want to look at reviewing, but I've added it to the games that I personally want to play because it sounds and looks pretty awesome. And I like the idea of a game that has these, you know, one-on-one fighting elements, but isn't a six or eight button game, that it's a two button game um, instead, because I do get thrown off by having to play the chords of attack combos. (laughs) Um, And I really like the idea of a game that has, you know, tons of, different level bits and, and fun looking graphics. And anyway, this, this really resonated with me. I think this looks fantastic. So it's called the out foxies and um, well, it's beyond the period we normally look at uh, uh, reviewing for this podcast. I think uh, I'm going to check it out. Definitely. And I would recommend other people do too, because it sounds pretty, pretty fab. I'm going to make an exception to our rule and add it to our game list anyway, because See? it sounds awesome. Ooh, Dan, look at See you breaking us into the nineties. See what I did there. A couple of old fogies reviewing. Don't make me regret it. (laughs) We probably will, (laughs) like most things. Um, 
see, we also got feedback about the game from last week, Track and Field. Let's, so let's read a couple of those. Angela wrote in. I'm going to read hers, even though she's nice to you in it. Who wants to read an email that's nice see, to Mike? See, people do like me. Bucking the trend, we got email that's nice to Mike. <laughs> it says, um, uh, love the episode as usual, but you didn't provide any links to images of the trophies. I'm a visual creature. You're killing me. <laughs> so she sent us links <laughs> to the trophies you can get with Track and Field, which is great. So she sent us two different links. I'll put both of them in the show notes. One is to... Uh, uh, vidiotarcade.com. I like that name because to me, the vidiot was that character in um, oh, what's what's that that movie from the eighties that takes place in a video arcade? Uh, joysticks. So joysticks. in joysticks, the 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 one guy who's in a lot of other movies in the eighties, he plays the vidiot. So uh, vidiotarcade.com. So she sent us a link to there that has the trophies and also a link to a really good site called the International Video Game Auction House a site I had not known about and now is on my radar. So it's IVGAH.com, but I'll have a link to that in the show notes too. We'll link right to the track and field pages that she, that she provided. Um, so well done, Angela, well spotted. And yes, that we were remiss in not giving pictures of the trophies after having <laughs> talked them up. And I'll read this part anyway. She says, hope that Mike feels better soon. Oh, Don't worry about Mike, Angela. Angela. Mike isn't human. <laughs> Don't have to worry hey. about him. We just reset well, him at the end of the show. Totally put him back in his box. <laughs> Mike still isn't feeling better soon, so her well wishes didn't help you. You're still ill. You're still ill and... Actually, I feel better than I sound, I think. Um, I, don't, I have no response to that. <laughs> oh, the... Um, the, the, the I, I was I quoting this... my favorite movie there that I mentioned last week. Maybe I'm going to start to quote. Mm. I'm going to slip a Joe versus the Volcano quote into all subsequent episodes that we do and see if Great. people can spot it. Sounds good to me. <laughs> <laughs> you won't win anything for for doing that. But. No, no, but it'll be, it'll be part of the joy of our podcast is trying to spot that quote. <laughs> uh, keep, in keeping with our long tradition of talking about news and uh, about things after they've happened, um, the Midwest Gaming Classic is actually going on right now, this very weekend as we're speaking. And by the time we get, uh, get this posted on Sunday evening, it will be all over. But I'm sure there'll be a lot of galleries and um, and write-ups and things like that. So look for those. Look for those. Look for people that tell you more about it than we will. People who tell you about it in advance the way oh. we won't. And the people who listen to the show probably know this already, that it's happening. And, and those that were going to go have gone, and, and we would not have influenced anybody who wasn't going to go to go. It's all happening. Yes. Uh, Jim wrote in to say, I am again disappointed. <laughs> you, you went through the entire track and field show and did not once, and sorry, and not once did you say, hammer time, you're no. slipping. We are slipping. He's right. Yeah, I cannot that was an easy one. Oh, that is just the sort of bad joke I would make. Yeah, I can't believe course. I didn't say that. It's the kind of pain I like to inflict on people. <laughs> I like. I love a good pun. Um, oh, they always say it's that not puns even a good pun. The, well, it doesn't matter. They're all good puns. It's it's redundant. People say that puns are the lowest form of humor, and I I totally disagree. I think the lowest form of humor is the made you look humor. The whole your dog's dead, and then someone gets sad, and they go ha ha ha. You you look sad because I said your dog was dead. How is that humor? That's not humor. Puns are great. Puns are wit. Puns are are quick little bits of humor. Yeah, they make us groan, but I appreciate a good pun. So there. Uh, our, our friend Victor Marlin over at uh, Ten Pence Arcade wrote in to say, uh, "Hi, Carrington." Mike, get off my lawn. Thank you. Uh, I saw this and thought of you and your tiny cabinet collection. You need another control panel, but you could play uh, Black Widow on your Gravatar machine. Oh, what another game I'm not sure about. He has a link over to vector-labs.com. Uh, cheers, uh, Victor, God of Tenpence. We will have that link in the show notes. I don't know that one. Did he send that to us by email? Yeah. 
Oh, it's a, a it's a, a link to the the Gravatar three in one multi game board. Oh, I could put that in my cabinet. Yes, that's. I think that's what he was implying. It's probably what he was not even implying. I think that's what he said outright. That too. <laughs> now that I now that I think back to that email, <laughs> yes, that is in fact specifically what he actually stated. <laughs> okay, <laughs> which also is a way to imply things. <laughs> Just simply state them outright. <laughs> um. I wonder if I should do that. I mean, I'm still, I'm still hooked on Gravatar and play it all the time and really like it, and I'm terrible at it. So Gravatar is still offering me, like, a lot of game. <laughs> so it's not that I'm missing anything, but I would be able to switch over and play um, Black Widow for a while, which is a game I quite like, and it would, yeah, I, could, I could multi-cade up my, my cabinet. Yeah, the little write-up here says this uh, Gravatar 3-in-1 kit installs on any Atari Gravatar arcade board and allows the user to play Black Widow, Gravatar, and Lunar Battle by holding the player 2 button and then the player 1 buttons and player 1 buttons to cycle through the games. Okay, I think I'm in. I think I'm going to get it. Awesome. Yeah. Tell us all about it. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> we don't <laughs> talk all- about arcade games here. Uh, that's all the feedback I have, unless you've got more from, from Facebook. I'm, this has been a joy to me. I didn't know you had even looked on Facebook. Like, you're our Facebook guy. And I'm like, hey, you've got feedback from Facebook. Awesome. <laughs> well, uh, sometimes, sometimes I can actually remember how to get to our wall and, and messages and things like that. When I do, we have feedback. Did we get anything on Twitter? Uh, probably. <laughs> probably. <laughs> I can only do one thing at a time, man. <laughs> okay. Hey, I just appreciate. I just appreciate it. Just so you know, if you send it by email, I get to read it too. <laughs> um, that's awesome. Okay, yeah, email is uh, definitely the uh, preferred method of communication. I know. I like Twitter, but I just you know I never see what's sent to the Twitter account for the <laughs> show. I just you know send it to me directly, and I'll read it. <laughs> I like Twitter. I just don't read it. <laughs> I, I read stuff sent to at Carrington. <laughs> if it's sent to me, that's me on Twitter, and then I will read it and respond. Um. Okay, so shall we talk about this week's odd, oddly spelled, oddly played, oddly everything game? Sure. It's Snacks and Jackson. <laughs> yeah, strange. I, I don't, I, I, yeah, me, me stumbling <laughs> over the words right now is, is, is exactly what you'll feel when you play this game. I, I what, I, uh, I will just read uh, this, this hardcore gaming 101.net has a, a little write up on it and uh, I like their description. And uh, let's see, he says, so the game is, uh, the game is controlled by trackball, but you'll, you'll, since you'll likely never actually play this game legitimately, it'll be controlled by your mouse. It's, uh, it's essentially 3D Pong, except that the ball is your nose and the paddle is your clown's uh, scarily expressive face. It is also exactly as pleasant as the mental image that it conjures up. Uh, it's more pleasant. So, yeah, I think so. So you play as, um, well, here's, here's from the flyer. This this will make sense or, or it won't. Um, Snacks and Jackson is a unique game built around a clown who tries to eat his way through life without letting his nose break any windows. Um, what? <laughs> uh, the player moves the clown's head around the screen to chase down and gobble food. At the beginning of each wave, the clown sneezes his nose off, and the gamer must keep, move the face to keep the nose from bouncing into a window. Uh, the game controls consist of a trackball to move the clown head and a sneeze button. I think that's a first for arcade games that I've played. I don't know that there are any others that have a sneeze button. Uh, the flyer continues, the sneeze button is used to blow away hot peppers and soap placed in the clown's path by his archenemy. The game's graphics are striking. Max and Jackson also offers select the levels. So um, as weird as, as all this is, uh, yeah, that's what it's like playing this. It's not going to make any more sense when you play it. Well, the the thing that I think you don't get from the description, although all that weirdly was 
I, that was not making anything up. That is literally accurate. <laughs> um, the thing that I think doesn't doesn't jump out at you is it's not that it's just the head floating around. Like his body is on screen, sitting at the end of a table, or in later levels, lying in a bed or what have you. But it's the idea that the body's there. So you've got this this clown, this hobo clown, sitting on a table. And you're, the point of view is you're sitting at the other end of the table. So it's a dining room table, say, and you're looking down the table at this clown. So imagine you're sitting there and there's this clown across the dining room table from you. And the clown has his hands on the table, like in fists, holding a knife and fork, like we're ready to eat. And the body stays perfectly still. It's just that his head pops off, still connected by the neck. The neck starts to stretch, like a stretch Armstrong thing. So the sinewy neck stays connected to the body which is just rooted and staying still so it's just this weird expressive face floats around stretching out from the the still body the end it's completely like an image out of a nightmare and yet it's a fun game um and the the name of the clown is jackson debox yeah very odd it, it feels like it feels like a bunch of people got together or sat in a room and this is not like a a, a marijuana smoke um Inspired, inspired oh, I game. Okay. It's. I, I think it's probably more a little LSD, maybe some angel dust, a little cocaine. Uh, it's just it's it's totally random. Unfortunately, it it sort of almost feels like kind of forced. You know, it, it's like the Sci-Fi Channel and and the, you remember those old the the older um, Sharktopus versus whatever those those when when they start making the cheesy games with the intent or the cheesy movies with the intent of making cheesy movies it sort of loses something and it feels this game kind of feels more intentional and, and so it's completely uh, agree i mean i do less... like this game but everyone wants to talk about how weird it is but it's clearly being weird on purpose in the right. same way that like a a cult movie is a movie that's sort of done straight or done comically or what have you and develops a cult following and then there are some movies that are sort of made to try to be a cult movie. And it kind of feels forced. It's like, hey, hey so kids, I can do it. Exactly. And so this has that feeling that gets weird, but it's in, it's not like accidentally weird the way you get some Japanese games. You're like, I cannot believe what this game is about. <laughs> this is a game designed from the ground up to be a weird game. It's still a fun game, but I don't find it as weird as it could be simply because it's so obviously forced. Yeah, fortunately, there's it's charming enough and and fun to play, so that so that it's it, the, the forced um, fakeness, I guess, of the, of the game isn't uh, it doesn't doesn't interfere and in, and ruin the experience. And here's the thing: so let's talk about a bit about the names, which I think a lot of people get wrong. Well, first of all, people spell it wrong. Oh yeah, so all over the place. Snacks and Jackson. I have a problem with it because there's one apostrophe around the N. It's <laughs> hard to tell, but from the when you look at the spacing of the the word on screen and on the marquee, it's Snackson as one word, S-N-A-C-K-S apostrophe capital N. Even though it's a capital N, I think it's supposed to be like Snackin, but it's Snack, I'm Snackson on it. And yet they put the apostrophe before the N instead of afterward. And then there's Jackson. And again, let's force the weird spelling. And it's spelled J-A-X-S-O-N. And at first I thought, okay, that's just you being silly, but it's not. It's because this game isn't about what everyone says it's about because it's not a Pong game. It's jacks. You know, you bounce a ball and you have to pick up all the pieces, oh, yeah. the things on the ground. Wow. I, and it, it was after I played for a while, I'm like, oh, it's ja it's snacks and jacks because you're, you're eating things. That. Exactly. So I'm like, ha, we're going to break the news here <laughs> live in the air. This is a 
version of the game Jax. And so the idea in, if you think about Jax, the rules for this game make sense. Like when you play game Jax, which who plays Jax? It's not the 1940s, who plays Jax? The <laughs> idea would be you have Jax on the ground and then you'll be like doing onesies. So you got to bounce the ball, you got to mm-hmm. pick up one Jack and then catch we'll it. Bounce the nose. And then, or in this case, the nose. But the idea would be if you get up to like four, you have to bounce the ball, you have to pick up four jacks before you catch the ball. Same sort of thing happens here, except you get multiple bounces. But the idea is you before you can bounce the ball again, you have to grab all the snacks that are floating on screen. And those are the jacks in this case. So so it, and it goes through four different meals. And so the first meal, it, uh, you're eating breakfast. And the breakfast foods will, will float around, like eggs and pancakes or bacon or what have you. And the idea will be there'll be like four um, eggs. You bounce your ball. You have to pick up all four eggs before you, again, instead of catch it, in this case, bounce the ball again and more food gets released. So once I clued in th- that we're playing jacks and we're not playing pong, it made a lot more sense to me. Other than the perspective is weird because you're sneezing the nose away from you. But it's clearly acting like gravity pulls it back down toward you. Right. So it's like you're looking down into a well is how the physics work. But the perspective is you're just looking across the dining room table. So that's a little bit weird. Um, but it works. I find it. I didn't. I wasn't distracted by the fact that the physics or the gravity is going 90 degrees to where it should be. Well, now that it all makes sense, that just totally ruins it for me. And I hate this game. <laughs> I mean, there's no there's no interest or, or mystery anymore. You've ruined it for me, Carrington. <laughs> ruined another game. I think um, the name itself also is... A riff, though, I, I would assume on, like, Action Jackson. Action Jackson, the movie. That's what I thought when I saw it. Yeah. Oh, I don't think Action Jackson, the movie. I'm thinking Action Jackson, the the Mego doll from the 70s. Oh, okay. Because Action Jackson, the movie, was from years after this game. It was, and but it, it was right around this time period, and, and I just I couldn't see was the it? connection to, to this and Carl Weathers, I think. Action Jackson was, like, late 80s or something. Oh, my it? goodness. I was assuming it was a 90s movie. I don't think so. No, I could totally be wrong, but I was just thinking that this game was based on the, the toy doll, basically Mego's answer to G.I. Joe. That would make a lot more Action sense because this is toys and games and stuff. Yeah, Action Jackson didn't come out until 1988, so um, they went back and retro-named this game after, after a movie that didn't come out until after the game was made. So rather than say I was right, we're going with they went back and retro-named this game. Yes. <laughs> I see. I see how this works. Do you know <laughs> Action Jackson's the toy slogan? I don't. Think of what you want to be and call on me. Okay. Action Jackson is my name. Bold adventure is my game. Think of what you'd want to be, then call on me. I want to fly a strap on helicopter. Action Jackson. Action Jackson. I want to drive a scramble cycle. Action Jackson. Action Jackson is my name. Bold adventure is my game. Think of what you'd want to be, then call on me. Action Jackson. All items sold separately. Action Jackson. By Mego. I only know that because I've been watching Action Jackson toy commercials this week <laughs> to get ready for this show. Because I, like, see. I think it's based on Action Jackson. I was never an Action Jackson guy. I was G.I. Joe all the way. Now, I'm old enough that I wasn't G.I. Joe the TV show, which was okay. I was G.I. Joe the actual, you know, eight-inch action dolls with the kung fu grip. I was like, you know, real G.I. Joe before that He-Man nonsense. <laughs> there's a, there's a, um, a rather old thread over on uh, Arcade Control's dot com the forum there about somebody who was going for the 
the Snackson Jackson uh, world record attempt, and, and he sort of wraps up his experience saying, never have I been close to understanding the nature of existence than when playing a game of Snacks and Jackson. After, somewhere after one day, it all became a blur. Because it's just so weird. It is, but I don't find it as weird. I think people like to talk about how weird it is. But once I got into playing it, it's like, okay, it is yeah, but, that it's got some weird element. Like, I do agree it's got some weird elements. Like, when you're playing this, you're bouncing the ball. And we haven't talked about the, um, the, the, the enemies in this. So there's holes in the wall on either side of the clown. And coming out of that are, are um, little chefs. And in addition to the food, they release bad things like peppers and soap for some reason. And so when you're picking up the food, you have to avoid touching those. And that's how you can use your sneeze button to sneeze them away from you. Um, that's sort of your action button, but it's a, you know, you sneeze. And so that, that's odd because the scale is really off. Cause they're, and they're not even just regular little chefs. They're, they're goblins. Like it's a little green goblin chef. Yeah. Yeah. So I get, out. I, I get that. I get that. There's yeah, so it's based on Jacks, okay, and that that actually makes a lot of sense. But there's still just so much weird about this game that that's the clown's head that floats around, but it's still attached to its body in the middle. I I'm going pre- I I predict that I'm going to have at least one nightmare about this in the in the coming days. I'm not. That's because you're unimaginative. I'm used to the goblin chefs <laughs> and the soap and you just hang out in your the, apartment. And then eventually you get a cuckoo clock on the on the right. I don't know if you got far enough to get the cuckoo clock, but uh, no. Once, yeah, once you get to the second day, there'll be a cuckoo clock, and so that gets in your way, basically. Um, there's also more food to eat and things. So it basically just ramps it up. You're going through each day. You've got four meals to go through, um, the breakfast, lunch, dinner, and an and a in-bed snack. And, and, the, and it does become like now you're looking at Jackson in, lying in bed, but it's the exact same profile. It's just now instead of a dining room table, it's a bed with a little shape under the covers that is, that is him. Um, but essentially just, you know, the game continues. Between each level, then there's the... There's like a, a a bonus level kind of where you just have to bounce a ball of of some sort will come out and how often you bounce it you get bonus points and it alternates between a normal level with your nose and catching food and then you do a bonus level where you're just going to bounce a ball of some sort and you don't lose a, a nose a life when you drop those balls because that's just a bonus thing for getting extra points but you do lose a life whenever you let the nose get past you and break the window behind you um, you've only got so many noses. <laughs> as one does <laughs> yeah, I suppose that's true but you can get more noses at 20,000 points I think yes you can and yes I did okay so Snacks and Jackson was produced by Bally Sente Sente I guess was a uh, a division of, of Bally they, they were independent for a while and were bought by Bally the game was designed uh, and programmed by Dave Ross uh, graphics by Bill Maker uh, sound and music by Gary Levenberg and it's yeah i uh, i'm trying to understand why how you would come up with this and it keeps distracting me from what i'm trying to talk about which is actually the tech of the game because it's again you're wrong it's weird and strange um sente but i can te- tell you about sente what the word means uh well you can do that it's a it's a it's a coin Okay, well, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> I looked it up. I'm like, I wonder what sente means. Um, and it is currency in the country of, oh, what's that one? Uh, the landlocked country inside South Africa. Um, not Swaziland, the one that's right in the middle of it. Um, mm. Lesotho? I'm American. Lesotho? I don't know any geography outside America. I could name all the countries that are north of South Africa. There's Botswana, Zimbabwe, 
Mozambique and Nambia. See, I am a Canadian Ooh. and I have seen a globe <laughs> and I'm aware of other <laughs> I've countries. seen pictures of globes. And yet there's that tiny, in, anyway, inside South Africa, there's a tiny little country. It's the kingdom of something like Lesotho, Lesotho. I'm, right. I apologize to our listeners in the kingdom of wherever. <laughs> I apologize in to the king kingdom. who is our listener. And inside there, it turns out, um, basically their, their penny is a cente. Okay. It's, it's a hundredth of a, hmm. of a, of something else. Uh, whatever the dollar would be, I guess. I don't know. Uh, Sente was founded in... <laughs> was, was that interesting for you? No. Are you glad not. I looked that up? No. <laughs> Sente was founded in 1982, but it looks like most of their games were produced between 1984 and 1986. Uh, they were founded as Vidia, V-I-D-E-A, by ex-Atari employees, and the company was bought by Nolan Bushnell and made a, a division of the Pizza Time Theater Company in 1980. Oh, so that's interesting. So they yeah. were ex-Atari employees, and then, then that company got bought well, by Bushnell. Well, they were bought by Bushnell and, and made part of Pizza Time, and then in 84, the division was acquired by Bally Midway, who continued to operate it until they shut it down in 1988. Interesting. Um, yeah, so it's, and, and the game itself, um, and I'm sure you'll, you'll talk more about this, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> You'll talk more about this uh, when we talk about the cabinet, but the game itself is based on, um, it's a cartridge and it, it's, um, we've talked about kind of the, the swap out, swap in games and how that sort of feels cheap and stuff. Um, but, uh, this is based on the Ballycinti SAC one hardware, specifically the one a, which means that it has a, a Motorola M6809 at, 1.25, what, what are you laughing at? I'm a child. <laughs> it's based on a sack. Oh, I because see. They, they sold these things, instead of a cartridge, it's called a sack pack. Oh, God, okay. It's yeah, S-A-C-P-A-C. I didn't see that. The like, no, game comes in a sack pack. Like, come on. <laughs> I'm too much of a child to let that one go. <laughs> you got to laugh at that. Uh, it's based on the Motorola M6809 at 1.25 megahertz. Uh, the sounds CPU is a, a Z80 at four megahertz, and it has six sound chips. Uh, they are the CEM 3394s. It looks like there were five or six other games that were also um, that were swap in, swap outable, um, exchangeable. Sack packs, you can say it. Yes, sack packs, yes, there it is, uh, including games like. <laughs> Chicken Shift, uh, Goalie Ghost, Hat Trick, and a bunch of others that... Of course used... it was called Chicken Shift. Oh, that's on our list, right? If not, yeah. it's got to get added to our list. And there, was a, Shift. there was actually a, a Sente diagnostic cartridge for the sport, and that's part of MAME too. So if you just want to uh, run through the soundboard test and the switch input tests and things like that, you can do that in MAME. That'd be fun. <laughs> um, I like this. Okay, so I, I like... What they did, and I, and I, if you're going to have games that swap out, I think doing it this way with a cartridge rather than a cassette is a pretty good way to go. Like, so I, I'm kind of against, like we talked about last week, or maybe the week before, where I'm a big diatribe, but uh, this was the downfall of arcade games. Mm-hmm. So I am against, in general, the idea of, of just making games with, with the thought that they will go stale and you'll swap them out quickly. But if you're going to do that, then having something fun to say like sack pack is a good idea. And I think if your target is, maybe if your target is something like Pete's Times or whatever they were called and it's younger kids, maybe just having lots of different games you can cycle out. So every birthday party has different games available is, is a smart way to go. I don't know. Well, there's, there's, no, there's no specific manual for Snacks and Jackson, um, but there are there is a manual for the sack <laughs> Now you've got me doing it. <laughs> See? The, the, the SAC 1A, um, the, the board itself 
where, where it talks about, you know, the, the advantages of not having to shift in and shift out a 350-pound cabinet every time you want a new game. And that's why, why they went with this. And yet, so it's very intentional. The industry. Yeah. I mean, the, the flyers about it say how you can change the game in 15 minutes with, using just an Allen wrench. Right. Which is pretty cool because the whole front of the cabinet, I guess we should talk about the cabinet. So the whole front of the cabinet down by the coin door opens up. Like, like as a bigger swinging door, which makes servicing the cabinet pretty easily or pretty easy. And you could swap these, these sack packs and the PCB and most of the guts are actually on a little rollout drawer. So it's pretty easy to get at stuff. Um, from a service standpoint, it's actually a pretty nice system. So the cabinet itself is naturally pretty generic because the idea right from the get go is we're going to have a cabinet that swaps out games. You can't make it have full height side art that's specific to the game. It's got to be generic because you're not going to keep the same game in. Like that's the philosophy here. So because of that, you have a generic cabinet that said, it's a pretty nice looking cabinet. It really jumps out as being different than most cabs. So it's kind of in two parts, a lower bit, the, the, the sort of the, the black box that would hold the coin door and kind of come up to waist height. That's just a black rectangle. And then on top of the cabinet, the top half of the sides are white. I think they're, I I don't know. It looks like molded plastic, but I wonder if it is. I wonder if it's not just shaped. I don't know. I've never encountered one of these to to put my hands on them. So I don't know if it's plastic. Someone's got to write in, but it looks like white, a molded plastic top that like a Duro mode type thing that would plop in. And it just has the Sente logo in gold stripes and green on either side because it's the Sente cabinet. And I wonder if that in that country, in the kingdom of Lesotho, if they figured, well, therefore this game only costs a penny. Hmm. Anyway, <laughs> just me, it's false advertising. So everywhere, but there it was, it probably made a lot of money. So no idea. Um, you have a generic cabinet. And so what gets changed for each game is the, the control panel. Cause it each came actually came with a full control panel, not just um, some artwork. So you get a brand new control panel, uh, a bezel that goes around the monitor and a brand new marquee at the top. The marquee is pretty good. It's got the Saxon Jackson logo. It's nice and bright and colorful. I, I, the bits of art that you do get, I quite like. The, um, the monitor bezel uh, that goes on the plastic is fairly generic because it's, as far as I can tell, even though those colors, it's got all these colorful graphics around it, completely match the Saxon Jackson colors. I think that's a coincidence and it's really just a Sente bezel. And I'm pretty sure the replacement bezel you can buy, which because I saw some flyers, which we'll link to in the show notes about getting these parts. It doesn't say it's a Snacks and Jackson bezel, whereas it'll say specifically, here's the part number for the Snacks and Jackson control panel. And here's the Snacks and Jackson sack pack and the Snacks and Jackson marquee. So I think the bezel, while you could buy one, was a generic Sente bezel. But somebody could have to write in and, and say if I'm wrong about that, because it doesn't definitely doesn't have any instructions. And I think looking at it, I can only see the bottom left corner of it, but I'm pretty sure it's generic Sente stuff. Um, control panel, pretty good in that it's simple controls. It's got uh, a trackball that's centered and a little diamond around it. That's just a screw plate that holds it. Checkerboard pattern of red and yellow. And just, well, one button, but there's two of them. It's ambidextrous, and that is your... Um, sneeze button and it's not labeled just sneeze it's labeled sneeze button so yeah you can't pretend that it's just an instruction and it lights up so it's got light up buttons it has those little cone cone shaped buttons i always think of as atari buttons the little cones that are for player one and player two and those light up as well um which is fairly standard but this has the sneeze button also light up and so i like a light up control panel and has a little instructions on it so fairly generic control or generic cabinet as would have to be because the philosophy here is replace the games but 
nice-looking marquee, nice-looking control panel, and I like that Sente at least did that. They didn't just ship a generic um, cabinet that had a specific control panel and say, therefore, we have to write all games to fit these controls. Instead, each game did come with a completely unique control panel, freeing them up to make the game have whatever controls are appropriate to the game. So I think that was a good move. Um, If you're looking to pick one up, they're crazy expensive, and I don't know why. The Sente cabinets themselves skew more expensive than generic cabs. They're fairly collectible no matter which one you get. But for some reason, the Snacks and Jackson is particularly expensive among the Sente ones, which kind of doesn't make sense because you can get um, a, a reproduction control panel and you can get a reproduction marquee. So why not just pick up the cheapest Sente cabinet and turn it into a Snacks and Jackson because it would literally be the same except repro stuff. Um, for instance, on eBay, like two years ago, there was a Snacks and Jackson, complete and in pretty good shape, starting bid of 4500 It didn't sell, so it got relisted for $4,000. Um, and that's, that's obscene <laughs> for a game that's relatively generic. Like, why would this be a $4,000 starting price? Very hard to come by this game. So if you do find one and you can pick it up relatively cheap, you just nab it, even just as resale. Uh, if you don't want the whole thing, then um, arcadeart.co.uk sells framed art reprints of arcade marquees for 40 bucks. And oddly, they, they only have so many of them, and one of them is Snacks and Jackson. So it made the cut. So if you want to get a fine art reproduction of the marquee, all framed under glass, for 40 pounds, rather, you can get one of those. We'll have that link in the show notes. If you're just looking for a reproduction marquee, which makes more sense, then they're available at emdk.com. It's emdkay.com. They sell them for 21 bucks, but that's just for the the um, printed bit. If you also need new Plexi, essentially, to, to stick it on, then that's another 12 so it becomes as expensive, almost, as the, the fine art reproduction. Uh, but I'll have a link to that in the show notes as well. Who are those clowns? Clown attack! <laughs> clown attack? Yeah, it's clown unit. They're putting in some of the CIA's best agents in clown suits so they won't be recognized. So they won't be recognized? Yeah, they've gone bad. Bad clowns? I told Mike I would think about clowns in video games. And I, I, want to tell, I want to give you an update on how I'm doing so far. So I have thought of Circus Charlie. And I thought of that because the first thing I did was look on our list of games we reviewed. <laughs> so Circus Charlie was a clown. And Mr. Do is a clown. And that's all I've come up with. Hmm. And, and Saxon Jackson. Um, so I can't, clowns, for some reason, don't seem to be highly represented in, in classic arcade games. Maybe in later ones. I could think of like this killer clown in AB Cop, but I'm thinking classic games, I can only come up with Circus Charlie, Mr. Do, and this. So maybe if somebody else can think of another clown, write in, because now I'm interested. Clowns were, in video games. Were there clowns in Food Fight? No, those were chefs, weren't they? They were chasing across the screen. And chefs. Now, there's chefs in this game, too. There's the little goblin chef. Mm-hmm. But we did talk about how if you, like, like in Jacks, how you have to pick up all the jacks before you catch the ball. Here, if you bounce your nose before you pick up all the pieces, that counts as a loss. And instead of breaking the window, what happens is the little goblin chef comes back out with a pie and he throws it in your face and he tells you, no, you have to catch all the food before you bounce your nose, which is weird because it's the goblin who's also throwing out all the stuff to get in your way. So I don't see why this goblin chef is so concerned you, you get it right when that's also the character that's inhibiting you. Yeah, now that, now that, I mean, the more we talk about it, the, the more the, the, the Jack's parallel makes sense to me. Oh, yeah, I nailed it. Uh, the, oh, <laughs> oh, you nailed it, buddy. <laughs> um, talking about the uh, arcade manual again for just a second, the, the, most of the manual is actually dedicated to 
to um, it talks about the games and why you would want to um, why you would want cartridges rather than having to swap out an entire cabinet. But it, it, like most of the manual itself is dedicated to the conversion procedure. You know, you change the first thing you do is you change the the attract header art, and then you change the control panel insert assembly, and then the cartridge itself, and, and then they're the rest of the manual is just dip switches, I guess. So I guess uh, the, the SAC 1A games actually include, include uh, Chicken Shift, which makes me laugh, uh, Goalie Ghost, uh, Hat Trick, Off the Wall, Snacks and Jackson, Snake Pit, and Trivial Pursuit. That's it? That's not a lot there, of games. Well, there's there's the SAC 1 as well, and then there are the SAC packs, and now you just got me saying SAC, and it's making me laugh. <laughs> Try to think if there's anything about the game mechanics we didn't talk about um oh if you bounce the if you bounce, i guess say the ball if you bounce your nose too close to one of the holes in the wall then this little dude grabs it and like sort of steals it and then throws it out of a different window so the holes that are emitting the stuff that gets in your way also will sort of teleport your ball in a sense using this little little dude mechanic so we didn't hmm. talk about that and that's kind of weird um and jackson in my notes also says his, his shirt has this badge on it and he's wearing this and that the, there's a number on the badge and that shows you what round you're on and when you complete a round it changes into a little happy face and it, and it kind of laughs at you yes it's, that part's really weird <laughs> <laughs> uh so the high scores i guess there's some i, I couldn't find an actual high score for this Look at my score. <laughs> there was some i guess controversy a while back in, in 2012 the uh, club member Steve W Broke the world record for Snacks and Jackson in uh, a, a single four-hour session. And um, Mark Alpager, who I guess runs the uh, the CAG DC, the classic arcade gaming um, discussion boards, uh, was he, this is a, he could not wrap his head around Steve's one-day mastery of the game. Um, and uh, there was some discussion about the... the settings and, and things like that. So I don't actually know what the high score was on this, but how'd you do Carrington? Um, I did pretty darn good. I did not get, I'm looking at on twin galaxies and I see that. Yeah. The, the scores on that are way higher than mine and the high score on that. And it, and the twin galaxies only shows, um, main scores, not an actual cabinet score. So that's weird. Well, I guess these things are pretty rare. Yeah. You think there would be one. You were talking about the, the, you know, the $4,000 price tags. And I was uh, reading as I was researching the game, I was reading through Clav and and seeing that those prices seem to be like, that's the asking, you know, the uh, 4,500, 4,300. That's kind of what these things go for. Yeah. Crazy. eh? Crazy. Sente cabinets in, in, as a, as a whole are very collectible, but yeah. yeah, these are particularly expensive. So anyway, I made it as far as day two breakfast. Um, and it's not that I stopped there cause I'd seen basically the game, I think then repeats. It's just literally that's as good as I could do. And most of the time I wouldn't even get halfway there. So the game is actually quite difficult. And I don't think the game itself is difficult. It's just that there's so much going on screen. It get, you'll just get distracted and mess up. So I do think if somebody could be super focused, you could probably just rock this game. I certainly never played for four hours. Uh, but I did get as far as day two breakfast, and then I died. I got 32,415. Um, so I did get my first, my, my, my free man. Um, but that's as good as I did. So, and what did you do, Mike? I can tell from your girl that I beat you, and that is the way the universe is supposed to be. Uh, no, that's, that's not true at all. Gurr, reporting for duty. Gurr? What does the G stand for? I don't know. Be that as it may, I only managed to get 28,515 points. 
I figured I'd probably beat you because you had made it to the cuckoo clock. Yeah. I did. So go Carrington. Um, no. Clearly not, better at the Hobo Clown Jacks games. Not go Carrington. We, we don't like that at all. You're right. Stay Carrington. <laughs> um, stay as Carrington <laughs> as you can. Yeah. I, I, I really... I, I find the game charming. the The sound is the sound is good. It, it's fun and sound is. Oh, we never talked about it. the sound is actually really good. It's got a song that kind of repeats mm-hmm. to it that is that's catchy. And but the notes are good. Like I didn't find the sound grating at all. It's it's actually right. well reproduced sound. I like it. Yeah, and and is this is a game we talk all the time about how the classics are the ones that you can just walk up to it and pick it up and you kind of know what you're supposed to do. And, um, you know, it, it, it is challenging. It's a hard game because there's a lot going on, but it's not, it's not a game that where you're kind of left wondering, you know, I lost a guy here because I didn't know I was supposed to do that over there. I, you know, so for, for all of its weirdness, gameplay is actually pretty clear and, and simple and, and it's, um, um, repetitive enough that, that you can, you know, you get a good sense of how the game's going to go without being like feeling like you're just repeating the same thing over and over. And it's, it's annoying. So, uh, yeah, altogether a pretty good game. Um, Mm -hmm. especially for a weird, obscure title that like, I saw this in the games list and I thought, I thought is Carrington punking me for putting that on the list because I've never heard of this. I think it was a listener. I think a listener did us solid and recommended this. Yeah. No kidding. This is a good game. Mm. I, I found like tip wise, I'll say that ignore the ball. In two different ways. First, because when you're picking up the food, you're not allowed to bounce the ball until you get all the food. So if you're in this stage of the game where you're trying to grab all the food, who cares about the ball? Because it doesn't matter if it's about to crash and go through a window, because if you catch it, you'll lose anyway. So I just ignore the ball when you're catching the food. Then as soon as you catch the food, you don't look for the ball. You look for the shadow of the ball, because it's really hard to know because it's a 3D thing where the heck the ball is. You just got to position the shadow of the ball on your face. And oh, good idea. the ball is always going to hit you because it's going towards its shadow. So that's what I've learned. That's how I got better at the game at the end when I started doing that is ignore the ball because the ball is just a distraction during most of the game. Just get hmm. the food. And then once you've got all however, six pieces of food or whatever is on screen, then look for the shadow and put the shadow on your face and then just hold the shadow on your face until it bounces. And then new food will appear and, and then repeat. Oh, cool. So that's, that's what I learned is watch the shadows rather than the ball. And it didn't even occur to me, of course. And that's why I didn't tell you before. That's why I lost. That's among the many reasons (laughs) why you lost. That is one of them. Yeah. So is this the weirdest uh, game we've done? um, Weirdest? I wonder. Mm, I don't know. Bubbles was pretty weird. I think this is... Bubbles also had the thing where it's scaled weird. That's a good choice because one of the things I had a problem with in Bubbles that I guess I didn't have a problem with here was that that little person with the broom, the lady with the broom in in bubbles bugged me because the scale was off. It was supposed to be a sink. How do you have this one person? This little tiny little woman with a broom in the sink. Here you've got the tiny goblin chef, but because it's a goblin chef and it's such a crazy, like you look at this table, it, it, it fills the whole room wall to wall. Like you couldn't get to his seat. You'd have to climb over or under the table. So it's not supposed to be something from the real world. It didn't bug me as much. Um, anteater is another weird one that I really liked. Um, and, yeah. But that's a sort of a strange game where you're controlling a tongue. Um, <laughs> Zookeeper was pretty strange. Zookeeper. Yeah, Zookeeper is a totally, totally bizarre one. I think Anteater of Anteater's, those ones yeah, is my favorite. Because you sort it. of, you, the idea with that is that you're supposedly the, the Anteater at the top of the screen and don't move. You just move its tongue. So, yeah, kind of odd. 
<laughs> we, we have played some some odd ones with you know varying degrees of of likability and success. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a good one though. I think this is a good, yep. relatively obscure game. I mean, a lot there's lots of stuff on the internet. Although everyone spells his name wrong, they get the Jackson <laughs> wrong. I think because people aren't thinking of the word the game Jacks, which makes it clearer why it's spelled that way. Right. Um, but there's it's so it's not crazy obscure. Like there's some games, even some we've dealt with that I think no one would have heard of. This is a game probably anybody who's super into video games would have heard of because it's sort of famous for being so weird. And it was by Bally, not like, not a totally obscure um, uh, production house. But that said, this isn't a game I ever encountered as a kid. Like Bally wasn't a big enough player. They weren't like a Nintendo or something where everybody would have their games. I had never played this before. I certainly have never seen the actual cabinet anywhere because it is pretty rare. Um, so in that sense, I do think that this week we did get to play a, a fairly obscure game. And I would say kind of an obscure, obscure classic, like definitely worth checking out. Yeah, I think so. Uh, so last year, I, I guess, was the Valley uh, Centi 30th year anniversary game reunion that took place at California Extreme. Uh, uh, there was a message posted on their boards there. Um, and this was from July of last year saying that a group of, uh, dedicated Bally Senti collectors have teamed together to bring as many titles to CAX 14 as possible. Uh, beside the wide range of games, such as mini golf, give me a break, hat trick, and trivial pursuit. The rarely seen and much sought after games that will be there are snake pit, stomping, chicken shift, Rescue Raider and Snacks and Jackson. So, Still fun to say. Yeah. So there's uh so apparently there there's definitely a, a wow that's a rare thing uh factor going on there. Um the the character uh the character itself um actually appeared in Wreck It Ralph. It made a cameo as and I don't know again if this was the, the creators of the film trying to be as weird as possible or if they're you know, they just thought it was a cool character to to put in the movie. I remember the clown, because there's like a hobo clown behind the bar who mixes a drink in a, in a shaker. Yeah, it's got to be um, it. It definitely wasn't Sorry Charlie, or sorry, Circus Charlie. Sorry Charlie. Sorry, <laughs> but it wasn't Circus Charlie or Mr. Do, who's a clown, but more of a, a sleepy clown. Um, so this is the only hobo clown I can think of. So I guess it was Jackson DeBox. Um, but that's weird. I wouldn't have thought. You think they would stretch his head out then in the movie, which they did not do, that I recall. They wanted to make him totally unrecognizable. I, I did not. Re- I remember the character, but I wouldn't have spotted no, who yeah, that no, was a reference to. And yeah. yet, it's weird that it did occur to me. It was clearly a reference. I just was sort of assuming it was a reference I didn't know. Hmm. I was right about that. <laughs> it was you a good were correct, sir. Uh, but the, the, the only thing that's really important is that I won, and no. that's the real that's the real takeaway. In fact, I might just edit this show down to that little bit there. They really don't like that. Give me a short show this week. We're going to stop comparing scores and, unless I win. Then we, then we can do that. <laughs> really? Is that how it's going to be? Yeah. <laughs> Awesome. Good plan. Um, well, what about next week? Maybe you have a chance. Slim. <laughs> I will slim defeat you. I, I know I will. Well, what will it sound like when you defeat me? It'll sound like this. Oh, I've been defeated. <laughs> you lost already. Already? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I haven't even played yet, and I know you lost. Oh, so, yeah, I had a, a I had a great time playing this game. This will be mm-hmm. one that, that I will definitely return to and, and play again. Um, as rare as it is, I don't know that I'll have the opportunity to see it too much in an arcade, but it is playable in MAME as long as you have a trackball. Um, I guess you can play with a joystick, too, but I think probably the trackball makes it No, joystick, it, ugh, mouse or trackball, definitely. Okay, yeah, mouse. But, uh, yeah, uh, enjoyable game. Had fun playing it. And uh, yeah, now I'm going to have some nightmares about it. 
<laughs> well, I'll see you next week and we can discuss them. Bye, everybody. Bye. You've been listening to No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast. Feedback can be sent by email to noquarter at monsterfeet.com, or you can find us on Facebook as No Quarter Podcast, and on Twitter, we are at No Quarter Show. You can also find us on both the Throwback Network and the Real Retro Junkies Network. All of these links, plus the show notes, are available at monsterfeet.com. And like all Monster Feet podcasts, the original material in this episode has been released to the public domain. Now, let us rain some doom down upon the filthy heads of our doomed enemies. I gotta sing the doom song now. Doom, 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 doom.